now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright and so on. It's a rigorous training dished out who know all there is to know about horses and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman ferry with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's show, we're going to talk to, from jhforge.com, we're going to talk to Jim Holbert, professional knife maker and retired ferry of 30 years or so. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm. Uh, we lost power up here in the studio uh, this weekend, so it's a couple of the buttons weren't pressed. My normal setup is kind of like uh, like I'm pulling my hair out. Whatever little hair I have left, I'm pulling it out right now. You look good, bald head. Well, <laughs> I should just shave it down, and I could be a cue ball. And, That's and, right. And save fifteen dollars every three months when I get my hair cut. They don't give you a discount for not having as much. Uh, no, it's always the same price. No matter mm. if you got a full long head of hair or, or uh, just those little sprigs and stuff that I've got going on. So I've got a, a an exciting news event for you, Mike. You Why, do? Yes, I do. Why does this keep switching off on me? There we go. He doesn't want to talk to you. <clears throat> I know. My wife has been, you know, as you know, she's trained with Diego. Everyone's like, right. oh, you uh, you talk about your wife, and you talk about Diego, and you talk about all these different things. Right. But yet, we have never seen your wife, Travis. We have never seen Diego. I mean, you're just, I think you're just making this whole story you, you up. Could, you could be. Because, I mean, technically, I've been telling these stories for the last three years or so, and no one's ever heard and no one's ever seen any of these things. I've shown pictures, like uh, like of the saddle. I've shown pictures of... Yeah, but you can get those off the internet. That's easy to get off the internet. Talking about that, you can get videos off the internet, too. Well, this video I'm going to play for you right now. Let me turn this up. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video over on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe over there as well. Uh, that is Equine Dynamics, Mike Stein. And you can see this in real time as we're talking about it here on the air. So let me share my screen. Share screen. We're going to share. Where's the video at? All right, here we go. Share this screen right here. This is the video I want to share. All right, here we go. <clears throat> so what we're looking at here, Mike, say, describe what we're looking at here. So there's a covered arena in the background. Covered arena. And looks like there's some jump, jump standards over in the corner. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an outside arena, and it's a it's a woman on a horse. A woman on a horse. So that you could have gotten off the internet. <laughs> no, this is actually my wife riding Diego with Brett Ingram as the trainer. Now I'm going to set set up the video here. She was trying to get the horse to do a trot or gallop or something. I don't know the the terminology of what she was trying to do, but to do it in rhythm time over Cavalettis. You know what Cavalettis are, right? Right. What's Cavaletti? The little wooden sticks that they throw on the ground. That's okay, all. Okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. So. See, I knew something that Mike didn't know, or he's just making fun of me. So I, I would never. I know. So here we go. This is going to be my wife riding over Cavaletti's in rhythm for the first time. And let me play this video so we can see it. You ready? Here we go. Yes. Now, keep in mind, this is like try number 30. So she has spent all day to get this horse to do this. And this is the end result of what happened on try number 30. One, two, three. Three. See how beautiful that was? <clears throat> See how oh, beautiful that was? Beautiful. That is beautiful. Good. Do it one more time. Here she comes back around. Yeah, nice transition. Feel that canter? That's your canter. <clears throat> it's all belly button up. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. beautiful. Yes. See? <laughs> Someone right, in the now keep that trot just like that. Feel the difference? Yes. See, there he's carrying the wither. 
So there, that was Diego doing an actual uh, live here on the air. Well, not live. Actually, it was recorded. Yeah, he's getting stronger in that back end. I'm kind of liking that pretty good. Are you, are you really? Yes. So now you don't really get to see Diego move that much other than walking in and out of the barn. I get to see him <clears> occasionally. It depends on uh, work schedule and what all's going on and if I can take a look out at the arena. So you just saw Diego out there on the arena. Were you watching? You weren't watching her actually ride. You were watching the horse's movement. Mm-hmm. I'm just assuming that. Let's say that. Yeah. Okay. And how did the the movement and everything of the horse look as far as, mm, I saw a little something there, or, you know, I could tweak that, or, or I can fix that? or There's, there's always, <laughs> always something to tweak, you know? And every time you do a horse, you're tweaking something a little bit. But as far as what you saw there in the video, how did it look on your professional level? As far as... I, from where we were a year ago, I'm very pleased. Are you? So yes. we're happy? Yes, we are. $2 million for that horse now. $2 million. That's right. I'm... <laughs> It's going up for sale right now. Him, you'll sell him for that. Don't not tell your wife you'll be gone one yeah. day, right? Where's Diego? And why do we have this brand new car and this brand new boat and this brand well, new? Well, he went and bought a brand new truck already. Yeah. I mean, somebody like you, the money, money you got, it doesn't matter. I know, exactly right. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk to professional knife maker and retired farrier of over 30 years, Jim Holbert. And we're going to discuss all the different knives and stuff that he's been making over the last several years or so. So stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. ColorMeLove.com is a compassionate initiative dedicated to providing a nurturing and all-inclusive haven for children who have faced trauma. Hey, this is Travis from Equine Dynamics. ColorMeLove.com is a community haven for all children to come in to find peace and joy. They do this through artistic expression that involves painting, therapeutic horseback riding, swimming and physical wellness, camping so they can connect to nature, as well as several professional counseling sessions. ColorMeLove.com's mission is simple yet profound, to offer a safe, supportive environment for these young souls to heal, grow, and find joy again through the therapeutic power of art, nature, and community. Every child deserves a safe place. For more information, contact Tammy Crawford at ColorMeLove.com, aiming to empower children and help them gain strength and resilience. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. If you have a question for Mike Stein, the way you get those questions in is go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says contact us. Fill out that little form there. Make sure you put a return address, uh, a physical address, and we'll send you out some magnets, some stickers and stuff uh, just for being a part of the show, and we appreciate you. And you can also check us out over on YouTube. That's Equine Dynamics over on YouTube as well. And now joining us here in the studio... From jhforge.com, this is Jim Holbert, a professional knife maker and a retired farrier of over 30 years. Jim, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you guys today? Doing well. Now, when you say a professional knife maker, is there an actual title for uh, a knife maker? Like a a professional horseshoer is called a farrier. Is there a, a title for knife maker? Uh, medieval wields of steel. You know, that's what I think. You know, you you go to those uh, Renaissance festivals and everyone's swinging a knife or a sword around. 
I wonder if artificer would be one to be a because that's something that works with steel. Okay, artificer. Am he's, I? Yeah. He's hard to say words. <laughs> you got to keep yeah. the word simple for me. That's yes. right. Just make a knife maker for Mike's sake. <laughs> so tell us how you got into the business and and why you got out of being a farrier. You know, farrier to knife. I guess is a is a, a transition in itself. I guess we have had people on the show that's gone from farrier to creating their own their own style of of, of shoes and and clogs and whatnot. So I guess right. I never thought like a there would be a need for a knife but you make other like kitchen knives and and butcher knives and all that stuff so tell us how you got started well after shoeing horses for probably Mm. 20 years or no maybe not maybe less than that maybe 15 years or so i'm saying you've been making knives as long as i've known a horse's foot there's always mud dirt in the bottom of it and you want to clean it out so then that requires you have two tools or you use the back side of your knife and sometimes you get frustrated and you turn it around and use the sharp side because you're trying to get the stuff out which then dulls your knife so i decided that well we can do something better than that let's make a knife with a hoof pick built into the back side of it right there and you're showing it here on the and and jim you do have a farrier's hand by the way if you hold that up i think you and mike <laughs> have this have the same hands there so i can tell you are you are a man of your word as far as being a farrier for years and you know and i think of horse knives and horse picks and stuff as just a simple tool it, it's like the common utensils that you have in your drawer at home like i just need a regular house fork for my salad that day what makes your knives stand out more than just buying the, the three or four dollar one that's off the shelf a lot there's several different things that there's the there's the angle in which the knife is made here there's the handle so you can put your thumb into the crotch the oh handle. yeah look at that you have more control it's ergo- all- ergonomic yeah ergonomics ergonomics there it is another big word yeah, yeah it really saves your wrist a lot now mike do you have any of his knives in- yes i do do you really yes i do, do you, you use them all the time i'll use them every day um so how did you get into just going okay i'm gonna make knives do you have your own like forge do you have your own you know the anvil on you know the whacking the thing on the with the mallet and everything, everything. do you really Oh, yeah. Now, where yeah. where are you located, Jim? I'm actually in Paulette, Vermont right now, which is uh, 19 degrees at this moment. Yeah, yeah. We had 29 degrees this morning here in, in, in Charlotte, North uh, Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I feel for you. Now, I'm assuming you came up with the designs all yourself. Now, yes. what was your inspiration for the designs? Well, first of all was the hoof pick. And so I wanted a knife with a hoof pick on the back side of it. And then the like this is this is this particular one that's called a deep belly. That was the very first one that I had made. And and the funny part about it is is that a friend of my father's was a machinist. So he made me a press to press this. Well, I had a little different style of knife that I wanted, but he just made this press with this in it, this this bend to it. And so the funny part is though is it it was like perfect out of just luck. It was it was like perfect. So I sold a lot of that style of knife through the years. Mm-hmm. As it progressed, if you look at the knife, this this is the deep belly, and here's the shorty has the same bend to it, but the blade is closer to your wrist, which is less fatiguing on your body. Now with that with that knife, you said it does have a pick on it, and I'm used to seeing those those horse knives that my wife uses. That's got that just that big triangle trowel cheap metal and i think on the back side it might have a brush or something on it to kind right. of brush yeah. all the debris and i don't see any brushes on yours how come you didn't incorporate that that style on those knives there probably because the, the farriers the first tool he grabs out of his apron to do the horse is the knife and it's nice just to be able to pick it out and a lot of times guys will have a brush to the side just to brush them out if they're that dirty 
or muddy. Mike, you were going to say something? Yeah, that, it's just it's quick. You know, when you're working on a foot, like checking out white line areas and all that, you can just flip it and, and go. You know, pull it down through the white line, make sure you don't got any garbage pulling out of there. Now, I am a simpleton, and yes, I'm I'm thinking that Jim's knife, if he's got the pick and everything on one side, I would want to flip it around. Do you, I, I might be dating myself, but I don't know if you guys remember, back in the day, they used to have, for typewriters, they used to have a, an eraser, like a pen that had an eraser on the tip, and then it had the brush on the other side. You know, the old school hammer typewriters do you remember that guys my they didn't have those yet when i was in school <laughs> that hadn't been invented yet but i would think that on the and i'm not knocking your your design i'm sure your design is flawless but i would think myself i would staple a bristle or something on the back so when i pick pick you know pick 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 i can just flip around and go out like that jim your next knife design <laughs> am i yeah. i mean am i wrong for doing i know you said that that's a that's usually on the side <laughs> other people to have on theirs let me design the knives okay (laughs) travis is a good idea man whether they're good ideas or not that's a different thing i got yeah i i I understand jim i understand that you know let me design the knives and and let me tell you something and you can say kid in there you can throw kid in there (laughs) you can look radio guy (laughs) well some guys actually use the back end of the knife when they're hot chewing to press the the one side of the shoe into the foot okay so that's what they want me to put a metal tip on the end here so they're not burning the wood they're actually using the metal tip to burn it but i just haven't i haven't got there yet so the answer to my question is from jim is they want something harder on the back of it they don't need the brush at at that point in the stage of of picking the shoe you were the first one to ask for a brush have i really all my customers bought requests like there's one here i can show you here in a minute that i listened to and it made total sense to me so i incorporated it into my knife just like the shorty uh or the slim grip handle so you can see the two different size handles here Uh uh-huh yes there's a wide and this one right here is three quarter inch wide well, I had a bunch of gals tell me that this handle is too big for their hand. So I thought, well, why not make a slim grip? Okay. And and they love it. It's perfect. Mm. <laughs> and your idea, Travis, is ridiculous. But, you know, you got to think about how many would you sell if you had the brush in the backside or how many would you not? And, and that's another knife. And it's another thing you have to design. Yeah. And and, well, yeah. another thing is like the, you know. The little hoofpick you got with the little brush. Yeah, the little cheap little four dollar one. It's got a plastic handle on it. I think that it looks like it's been chewed by a dog. It's if been I'm stepped on some. If I'm using a brush, that brush is too slow. Oh, is it? Give me a good hardware hardware store or metal brush with a little bit longer sweep to it. I can go through it a lot quicker. All right, so we're uh, we're gonna take a quick little break and we're gonna dive into Jim's actual inventory of all the different stuff he has and what he's got going on presently. So stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. For every podcast we do, we have a matching video over on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe over there as well. And Mike Stein, you've, uh, your Facebook page is up and going now that you've rebuilt the uh, the business section. Mm. And 
and uh, I see you still punch a bunch of articles up there, and they're really interesting to read. Uh, you were showing a whole bunch of um, pictures and stuff from the the summit, right? When you went to the summit over there. So if you want to check, Jim was at the summit. If you want to see those pictures uh, over on uh, Facebook, search Equine Dynamics Mike Stein, and over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? How are you, Jim? And joining us here in the studio, we have Jim Holbert, a professional knife maker, uh, owner of JH Forge. Uh, com and you're a knife creator. So where do you get the steel from your knives? And are you finding it hard now with, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but, you know, trades and stuff, they're always talking about steel and all that's very expensive now. Where do, where are you getting your supplies as far as how do you, how do you uh, forge your knives and, and where are you getting the material from? That and the wood, the wood and what your handles are made out of. Well, the steel, luckily for me, has been relatively available for me. It comes out of Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where in Pennsylvania it comes from, but I get it from Pennsylvania. Um, the knife handle material, luckily I have a big stockpile, but my two suppliers that I had, one guy retired, don't blame him, couldn't find, find anybody to buy the mill, so he retired, so he dried up, and then there was a guy down the street from him, they just shut down for unknown reasons. So I have a new spot, hopefully that'll last me, but I used to get some really pretty stuff, like this one right here has is uh, bird's eye maple on it, I mean all different kinds, black walnut handles, another one, but... Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can still find suppliers for wood because sometimes it gets a little hard. I used to use wood that came from like Africa and South America and stuff. And one time I was cutting some and it was like burning my nose. And a friend of mine said, that's not good for you. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? Why not just make handles out of wood that comes from Vermont? So that's, that's what I did. So I do make some pretty handles. Sometimes they have more bird's eyes. Sometimes they don't. Tiger maple, whatnot like that. And people have asked me to replace the blade in the handle, but that can be a pain in the neck. And the rivets are hard to drill out. That was my next question. I mean, what would wear out first, the handle or the blade? Now, I'm assuming... And I'm assuming yeah. that the blades are, are they somewhat easier to sharpen? Mike, do you sharpen your blades? Do you have a Every lot? Every day. Do you really? Just about, yeah. And a little bit, yeah. Do you have a rat tail file or something that sharpens them? Or? Don't use a file. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, so, no, Whoa, we, see? We don't, whoa. We don't, we don't use <laughs> metal files on them, no. So what do you use to sharpen those horse knives? Sorry. Well, mainly a diamond file would work. A lot of guys will buff them to get them sharp with different types of rouges to, to get them really sharp. And then I do offer a sharpening service. People can ship the knives back to me, and I sharpen them and then ship them back. And it just basically just covers my shipping, which is getting out of hand for, for shipping costs. But oh, yeah. That, a lot of guys do that. Now, show us some of the knives. You've got a whole plethora of knives in, out in front of you there. So show them one at a time and describe how those knives came to be. Okay. So the very first one was the Deep Belly, which is, you know, fairly long, nice handle. It does come in the slim grip handle. And i show you here, a, like a regular grip handle right here. Oh, yeah. That's a lot fatter. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And then as I kept revolving, I made a shorter knife, which I call a shorty, which is a lot shorter than, than the deep belly in blade length. And I found that the shorter blade, there's less fatigue on your wrist and elbow from pulling it through the foot. Because when you're using this knife, you're only using the last half inch, three quarters of an inch to cut the foot. So when you're way out here, it's a lever on your hand being way out here versus the shorty where your hand's right here. It is so much closer to your wrist which is really nice. That, uh, um, I also make a uh, loop knife, which is nice. I make one that's a little narrower as well. And this one right here always gets everybody. This is called the spud knife. Is that for pulling out the eyes of potatoes? Yes, just pill, potato <laughs> yeah. pillar, yeah. Well, well, the funny part is, though, when I had the deep belly, this one, if you 
hold it right here, see where the angle of the handle is. As with the spud knife, if I do the same thing, the angle is even higher. And what that just does is gives you better wrist position when you're working on the horse's foot. Yes, it does. Yes, it makes absolute total sense because I know using like a socket wrench or something like that, sometimes I wish I had a, a socket wrench that would bend just a little bit more to, to get that weird bolt or that weird... Well, we can bend it. <laughs> yes, you can. Break out that uh, $300 hammer, that Thor hammer you got. So outside of the horse knives that you uh, have created, Jim, what are the other types of knives and, and specialty items that you make? Well, I make a measuring device, which I actually developed this through the ELPO organization. It's an equine lameness prevention organization. It's just a measuring device. Like if I put it on, let me put this side right here. If I if I put this on two inches down here, it's two inches from this tip to this tip. Now, what, what we're looking at here for the people listening to the show, it, it's two long skinny triangles with a whole bunch of numbers running down both sides. And it's kind of like a speed square for horses. Correct. So what's nice about it is that if this is two inches from here to here, if you flip it over, you can see that it's metric, and that would be five centimeters from here to here. For our friends overseas. Well, the, For our friends I've, overseas. I've got one year old one that's not metric. Not metric. Well, you got to come up the times, Mike. Come on. <laughs> you know that's not happening. <laughs> so my question before you put that one away, Jim, is what do you actually use that for? Why would you need to have a, a two-inch you know, measuring or something like that? To Well, I have a nice leg here. And you use for measuring the frog, you know, length of the frog, which is really kind of hard to see here in the video. But no, I can see it just fine. Here. Measure the center sulcus. And there's parameters that we use when we're doing horses' feet from these measurements to help balance the foot properly and keep it sound. Now, Mike, you said you have one of those in your in your toolbox? Yeah. I guess I'm assuming you use it all the time. It doesn't have the... It's, the... it's been used. You can't read any writing on it anymore, I don't think. <laughs> And uh, mine was pre pre metric markings before they created the metric system. Before they created the metric system, yes, <laughs> that's that's yeah. pretty impressive, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what about kitchenware? Because I'm looking at the website and I see all like these big hatchets and these big things that you see like from horror movies and stuff. Holy mackerel! Look at that guy. That is a hold on because I'm somewhat of a chef. That is a carving knife. No, prep knife. Damn it. <laughs> I was trying to show myself a little bit. So that's a prep knife. So tell us about um, how you got into that as well, the, the prep knives and, and the kitchenware knives. Well, let's back up a little bit. After shoeing horses for 30-plus years, in that time, I actually had a couple back operations. And so I was making knives, farrier knives, and shoeing horses, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to last shoeing horses, and I'm going to get crabby and be one of those guys that kind of like takes me. It out I don't take it necessary. out on the horse; I take it out on the owner. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so I decided to branch out a little bit and say, you know, I'm making all these farrier knives, and I have junky kitchen knives. So why not make some kitchen knives too? So I had help from a, from a couple of chefs where I used to live. They helped me design them and do different things, and help me with how to design a decent. A kitchen knife. So I just branched out from there and I've been making all kinds of different kitchen knives and I'm into making pocket knives now even though they're not on my website yet but I make some pretty cool pocket knives like for instance this one right here is a pretty nice little it's called a slip joint pocket knife and it actually oh that's nice kind of the back, that's the back very side nice yeah. and then uh one of the chefs that helped me um, designed kitchen knives, he had an oyster knife that kept breaking, so we designed a new style oyster knife that was a fixed blade knife, and it works really good for that. So I want to take it to the next level, and I made a folding oyster knife with the same. Very nice. Alright guys, we're going to take a quick little break, and we're going to dive into more of the world of knives from Jim Holbert. So stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Yeah. 
Welcome to Color Me Love, where every hue of a child's story matters. Our mission, to heal young hearts through the power of love, art, and nature. Here, in this sanctuary of hope and healing, children who have experienced trauma find a new canvas to express, create, and start anew. Through painting, horseback riding, swimming, and the embrace of the great outdoors, we weave a tapestry of care, building resilience, and trust. Our space is more than a shelter. It's a community where every emotion is respected, every child is cherished, and healing journeys are embraced with empathetic hearts. At Color Me Love, we guide each child to rediscover their strength, to color their dreams with hope, and to feel the love in every brushstroke of life. Join us in this vital mission. Your support can paint a world of difference for these children, offering them a chance to heal, grow, and embrace their vibrant stories. Donate today and be a part of their journey to a brighter tomorrow. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. If you'd like Mike Stein to perform a clinic out at your location or you would like the podcast to broadcast out at your location or event, the way you do that is go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says clinics. Fill out that little form. We'll pencil you in and schedule you for a meet and greet. We'll uh, do a broadcast out there or Mike can perform a clinic out at your location. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm good, Travis. How are you? Doing well. And joining us here in the studio from jhforge.com. Jim Holbert, uh, professional knife maker, horse pick sure, and uh, sharp knife sharpener extraordinaire. Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So tell us, you, you said you got another hoof knife that's coming out on the market that's not on your website yet. Tell us about the new knife that you got coming out. Well, it's not that I've been out for a couple of years. Just I haven't had it on my website and haven't really pushed a lot because it takes more steps to make it than my usual knives. But what it is, is that if you look at this knife right here, hopefully I can show you, it's in the handle. The handle's here, and the blade's level with the handle. This new knife is actually in the handle crooked or out of degree. I see that, yes. And the reason oh, you for me that, that is that, and Mike can contest this, as you're working on a foot, like right here, this side right here, the knife is easy to control. But when you come around this side of the foot right here, you actually got to twist your wrist to get the blade to start cutting. So what this blade allows you to do is not have to twist your wrist as much because it's already in the position that you want it to be, and it's easy to come around the side of the foot. And some people say, well, but it's still too steep here, but it's so much easier to roll your wrist back here than it is to try to twist your wrist and contort your body to make it cut on this side. Yeah, so I with can this see that. Right here, I actually call it the best angle because a friend of mine in Buffalo, New York, Ken Best, asked me about doing something like this. And so I said, yeah, let's, let's play with it. So we played with several different angles and we went back and forth with designs and stuff. And now we settled on that one. And so I call it the best angle shorty. And it only comes in the shorty style. Because we found that when a deep belly, it's way too is too too crazy. Now, weight would be a, a a concern that I would have as far as how much the the knife physically weighs. Because when you're a boxer and you put on two ounce gloves and you go three or four rounds, those gloves starting to feel like eight pound gloves. When you're carrying that knife around, what's what's the weight on those knives compared to the little cheap one that you buy in the store? This would probably weigh six ounces. But I have had people ask me to put what they call a full tang. So this is the tang right here. Go all the way through the whole handle because they like a heavier knife, which makes the knife more expensive because I don't change the steel. This is all the same steel through. So that's a lot of steel that, that's more expensive to use for a full tang knife. Now, believe it or not, Jim, you and I 
have a lot in common. Uh-oh. Are you ready for this? Yeah. More than you know. Mike doesn't, might not know. Mike, I might not know this. I don't think so I know this. I don't think I want to know. My great grandfather was a knife maker. Yeah. He, he made knives up in, in New York. There was a company called, you might have heard of them, called Case Knives. Yeah, yeah. That is my great grandfather's knifing company he made them yeah he made those up in in albany uh new york and then he passed it over to my grandfather and unfortunately times were tough like during the depression so i i don't know what the great 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 grandfather so he basically sold the name off to a corporation to produce those knives so i am the soul because my mom's maiden name is case the biggest joke was my mom was always like i'm waiting for that that check in the mail that i'm the sole heir of the case knife company so if when you see case knives that's actually my that's my lineage on my mom's side as far as uh, knives and stuff so we do have a little bit in common mike you didn't know that did you i did not know that that's news to me are you waiting to be on the cutting edge is that what you're trying to tell us i am i am (laughs) waiting to be on the and all the other puns that you can throw in there as well so jim tell us where do you see your knives going in the future as far as um are they in like uh the box retail stores are they online only uh are they special design do you have like special requests like hey i've got a a 50-year anniversary for my husband or, or wife that's a farrier can you design a special knife person like personalize them well i have dealers all over the states canada i have them in australia in england it's amazing where they go and then my website and the website i shipped stuff last summer to kuwait of all places it's like wow they've got horses that need their feet done do you think the the ones that went to kuwait where they go to military bases because there's a lot of places that i see well no i mean honestly there's a lot of places that i see that that download the podcast and i'm just going well who there listen has horses the only thing i can think of is if there's a military base somewhere around there and they want a little taste of home you know you would think in kuwait maybe a military base would have a horse or two on the on the on the base itself you know for you know, getting up into the mountains, which is easier than a motorcycle or a Jeep or something like that. You would think that military bases over there would have horses to where they would order a knife from you. Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure. I just, you know, you get an order on the internet. Oh, it's going to Quake. That's cool. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. In my shop, I have a big world uh, map and I put pins where I think it's really cool where they go. Like I have all my dealers marked in red, but then I have black pins for just individual people. You don't have pin Marshall, North Carolina, do you? No. I, You're no. supposed to. <laughs> I have one NC tool, you know, it's yeah. is a dealer. I have their pin up there. Okay. Tell our listeners everything as far as where, the, where can they find you? How can they get your knives and, and how can they get a hold of you? Best way is just go to my website, jhforge.com. And all the information is there that you need to get a hold of me. You can call me, you can email me. Mike, did you want to ask Jim anything else before we go? I have appreciated his uh, signs. I've always stuck with the that short blade. Yeah, the uh, shorty. The shorty. Because yep. of the fact that it's so much easier on your wrist. And uh, when you've done a lot of horses over a lot of years, parts wear out. There's a huge difference in, in hoof knives. I mean, you want to do good work, you got to have good tools. That's just all there is to it. All right, guys, we're going to let you get back to enjoying your ponies. Make sure you follow Mike Stein over on YouTube. The way you do that is search Equine Dynamics Mike Stein over on YouTube. If you have any questions for Mike Stein, you can go over to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page, it says contact us. Make sure you put a return address in there as well, and uh, we'll send you out a physical address. And we'll send you out some magnets, some stickers, some keychains, if we have any keychains left over from the summit, uh, and uh, just for being a part of the show. We'd like to thank Jim Holbert from jhforge.com for joining us this week on the show. Travis, you were 
impressive. I mean, if I made special knives for people, yes. different things for, and I do, I, I have a laser and I can laser anything on the handles and stuff, people's names and whatnot like that. And if you really want to be creative, I actually have this pocket knife. Here. Oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so if, you, if you need something really special for your loved one, there again, has nice firework in the backside. And it's a horse's leg with a knife that folds up That's in it. Very nice. nice. Very nice. Jim, we appreciate you joining us this week on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate being on here. It was fun. On behalf of Mike Slein over there. Thank you, Jim. It's always good catching up with you. And uh, Same here, Mike. hope you enjoyed it. My name is Travis Saying, See you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral All of your work is done Just close your eyes